This is the Metal Set. Hi, this is Dawn, an ultra cyclist and sports PR specialist. And I'm Afshan, an endurance athlete and journalist. And we're on a quest to bring you stories of tenacity, courage, and metal. From athletes in the Middle East and beyond. Hello, Dawn again. This is part two of a two-part episode series on the women of race around Rwanda a 1,000-kilometer self-supported cycling race that took place in early February. As a recap, yours truly entered the race and made it 712 kilometers before ultimately stopping. My own race report will go live in due time, so please keep following the medal set if you're interested in that. If you've heard the first part of this series, I hope you enjoy part two. If you've decided to listen to part two first, both episodes share the thoughts and perspectives of nine women who took part in the race around Rwanda. This part features four ultrawomen, Cleo Jensen, Julie Melville, Harry Milburn, and Isabel Ruffell. For some added context while listening, the race around Rwanda is a relatively new ultra race on the global calendar. As I mentioned before, it is 1,000 kilometers with approximately 17,000 meters of climbing. It's also 30% gravel and, of course, all self-supported. While build is 30% gravel, my rough on-the-road calculations had it closer to 40%. And gravel, well, if by saying gravel you mean technical single-track mountain bike trails and swampy marshland, then yes, the race was 40% gravel. I actually don't recall much of the tarmac, but I'll get into that in my own race report. As you'll hear in this episode, Rwanda is stunningly beautiful. Dare I say, a little magic. It's safe and the people are very, very friendly. But behind the beauty are some extremely unpredictable weather patterns, along with some other unique aspects of this particular race. Add in various run-of-the-mill challenges of an ultracycling event, and altogether, this was a very, very tough race. I've put a few questions to the women you're about to hear. What was their why or reason for doing the race? What was the highlight of the race for them and what the low light was? I've asked them to give any advice they would give to other women thinking of signing up, and also for any additional thoughts that they've had. For me, one of my favorite aspects of ultracycling is the community. I know that word, community, gets bandied around a lot when it comes to sport, and I may be biased, but there's something special about my fellow ultracyclists. And as you'll hear from the four women in this episode, they too agree, with camaraderie being a central theme. As I said in episode one, these two episodes have been a labor of love for me. Representation matters so much in sport, and ultracycling is no different. As with part one, this episode is dedicated to all the women who participated in the race and all women who have the courage to take on a big challenge, whatever it may be. I also wanted to give a special shout out to my friend Catherine and her son Owen who were following the race from British Columbia. I hope we can do a race together someday soon, Catherine. Enjoy! First up is Cleo Jensen from Ireland. I actually didn't meet Cleo until after the race had finished when we all went on safari. Cleo, like Kaz in part one of this two-part series, is no stranger to bikepacking and had spent some time in Jordan bikepacking ahead of this race. Like me and a few others, she had a dark day three but continued on to successfully finish what was her first ultracycling race. Hi, my name is Cleo and I'm one of the 2023 Race Around Rwanda participants. Before going into it, I don't think I really knew my why. I was at an event last summer and I met Charlotte, who's one of the other race participants, and she told me about the event. I'd never heard about it before. And I thought it sounded really cool. So I decided to sign up. I'd never done an ultra before, so this was going to be my first one. But I had done a lot of bikepacking. I really like adventures. 
and trying new things and challenging myself and the whole community that comes around that as well. So I just thought Rwanda, that sounds epic. So yeah, sign me up. So that was essentially why I signed up. I think in hindsight, for me, my why is the adventure. I love the adventure. I love the community that adventure brings together. And I definitely got that out of it. I'm going to give you my low light first because my low light came before my highlight for the race. And yeah, essentially on the second day, I did something to my knee. I'm not sure what exactly I did, but to be honest, it was probably overuse. I hadn't done that much training in the lead up to this event. Uh, I'm working full time. I am working out of Ireland where the winter is a bit miserable for cycling. And yeah, essentially my training was a bit suboptimal. So I don't think I was really in the form that I should have been for this race. And yeah, I did something to my knee on the second day, but it was so painful. I had a really bad short sleep that night. I basically just lay there for a couple hours in this crappy place. And then day three was awful. I was so overtired. My knee was so painful that I had to walk up anything steep, which was basically a lot of walking. And I just had a bit of a miserable time. I was by myself. Yeah, wasn't great. So yeah, that day was rough. I, I considered scratching. I was like, why am I doing this to myself? Yeah, I did really consider scratching, especially because I was moving so slowly, but I really just wanted to finish it. So I kept going. But my highlight was, I'd say the whole rest of the race, to be honest, was a highlight in that the next day after after day three, I ended up riding with um, some friends I'd made along the way. We'd been kind of bumping into each other a lot for the first few days. Like I'd pass them, then they'd pass me, and it was just this kind of cycle um, across the days. So yeah, on the fourth day, we just committed to, okay, we're just going to ride together. It was kind of unspoken at first, and then towards the end, we were like, okay, we're, we're, we're riding together. And yeah, that was really nice. Um, the community around the race was amazing. I think being around other people just really lifted me up when I was feeling a lot of pain in my body and mentally the race was just so much easier than to to get through and finish with good companions and yeah you spend so much time then with these people because you're riding for so long and you're going through ups and downs together and the roller coaster of it all that you just end up bonding with people on a deeper level that you than what you do in normal day-to-day -day life so yeah that was really nice I had a really nice last couple of days of the race and really got to spend some time with some incredible people. So yeah, I realized I love the community that comes around. Um, well, I love the community that came around the race around Rwanda. And I'm definitely itching to do another race like this, one that's adventurous and has that kind of adventure community and people who are going in, not taking it so seriously, but just want the experience. Um, because that was for sure a highlight for me. My advice for any woman considering signing up for the race around Rwanda is to just do it. It's such an incredible race. Whether you want to race it and go really hard or whether you just want to essentially finish it and bike back it basically. Either way, 
It's an incredible experience. Rwanda is a beautiful country. The race was really well organized. Had a really nice atmosphere to it. Uh, with 100 participants, you really get to know people there. And um, so there's there was a really nice community feeling to it. Uh, the route was really hard, but doable. And it was beautiful. I'd say just be prepared with your bike. Don't run your tires too skinny like I did. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's an incredible, incredible experience. I would highly recommend it. I think it's a great, it was a great first race for me. I have nothing to compare it to, but I just love the adventure. I love the community around it. And yeah, it was amazing. I would highly recommend it. Just do it. Believe in yourself um, and go for it. Julie Melville is my ultra bestie, or as I called her during the race, my ultra fairy godmother. Ultra sister, however, may be more apt as we're similar in age. Julie is an Australian who lives in Doha, Qatar. She is tiny, but mighty, and one of the strongest women I know. This is the third race that we've competed in together and just called me a hashtag influencer as I peer pressured her to sign up to this particular race. We both entered the race solo, but Julie and I spent a lot of time together on this race, along with others in what we affectionately called the party at the back. While I scratched at 712 kilometers, Julie bravely carried on and ultimately finished. As you'll hear, there were many challenges, but Julie's low light came in the form of some horrific news from home. She also offers a lot of advice for women considering the race, and also a lot of points for consideration for the race organizers. All points that I agree with having been with Julie for large sections of the race. Race around Rwanda has been on my list ever since the first edition, and uh, this year with COVID having settled down and my gravel bike having spent two and a half years on my wall, I decided it was time to uh, time to enter this wonderful race that I had always wanted to do. I think the final kind of straw in the uh, entry was uh, being contacted by Dawn, um, who basically said she'd entered, so why didn't I? So I hit send that night. I think the general feeling about races like this, the, the why is because they're there and because you want to ride in a beautiful place and and test your limits and see what you can what you can do and and for me I've always done on-road events and with a tiny bit of gravel and this was a whole new whole new ball game with with so much gravel so I was really excited to test those limits on this race it's it's really hard to pick one highlight um, or one moment in a in a race that really was five and a half days long and covered vast, vast, vast amounts of area. But one of the most kind of, I guess, the memory that brings a smile to my face every time, and, and maybe it's because it surprised me and I wasn't expecting to see sort of views like this, but coming up through uh, through a forest trail on red dirt one day, we, we entered this forest that was literally like a Scottish pine forest. And you know, apart from the fact that it was absolutely beautiful, it was just a sheer delight of a surprise. Um, so, you know, I have to remember a moment. I think that's one of the kind of moments of the race that, that make me smile every time I think about it. But if I really want to talk about the highlight of, of my race in particular, it was uh, it was finding out 
about all the people who were riding around me. Uh, I just, I was blown away by the camaraderie at the back um, of the race. People cared about each other and they were, you know, concerned. Did they make it through this rough section? Did did they make it through this dodgy log bridge section? Did did they make it, you know, up that climb? And, you know, I, th- I think it's an ultra race that's unsupported, but it's, and it's a solo race and a solo effort. But at the end of the day, the people around me at the at the back of the race, as we talked about, um, or as we as we were named, the party at the back of the race, they were they were just delightful. They were wonderful. They were friendly, and I feel like in that really short space of time, we we made friends with people who are, I think will be in my friendship kind of group for a long time, and. And I think that's the nature of ultra racing. I think if you're crazy enough to even attempt to do something like this, I think when you meet a bunch of people who just you click with right right then and there and, and from that moment on you, you're worried about them and you you care about them and you, you, yeah. So for me, I thoroughly enjoyed those moments of, you know, pulling off to the side of the road and having a chat with, with the people who are around you know, who also were climbing at around the same time or the same speed and, you know, those crazy moments that you guys and me and Max and Juliet and Juliana and, and all those people that we saw around us on the road as we were riding, you know, they're the highlight of my race is, is those people, you know, Fergal with his Mary Poppins bag of kit that Fergal, who's on everyone's kit list now, Max, just salt of the earth and and delightful you know Juliet and Juliana amazing amazing pair and you know I, I think uh, uh, it was sad to see them not finish but I completely understood why you know Bart the delightful Bart such a character wonderful fellow you know these are the highlight of my race these people who um and you know Jay Jay on that last night, getting through that last night and the sheer joy of him finishing that race, his first race. You know, that's what these races are about for me. It's the people, maybe, you know, more so than the, the, the scenery. It's the people and the ethos of, of finishing a race that everyone's in the same boat. Lowlights, I think it's no secret that this is not a difficult question for me to answer. If you'd have asked me this question before the very last night of riding I would have said it was uh it was the sort of second to last and third last gravel sections which were just brutal um particularly the second last one and the the walk in the dark through single track mud bridges washed out crossing logs in my socks or log bridges in my socks I would have said those were my low lights you know stumbling through the through the dark in a really sort of isolated area in the middle of nowhere <laughs> on a single track. Um, that would have been my low light, but those of you who know me know that on the last night of riding, my uh, I stopped, happened to check my WhatsApp messages and, and heard the news that a dear, dear, amazing friend of mine had been killed that morning whilst out riding her bicycle, ploughed into by a careless driver. And 
yeah, I mean, that has to be the low light of my race, knowing that the beautiful Lama was no longer here with us and um, that she had been killed by a driver doing exactly the same thing I was doing, riding my bike on open roads with drivers who, you know, perhaps life or the life of a cyclist might not be meaningful them, meaningful to them. And, uh, you know, I, I, I rode through the night um, on gravel roads and felt pretty safe there, but as I hit the busier roads coming into Tagali, um, wow, you, you know, I was trying to hold back the emotion of, you know, being sad about my friend and devastated for the loss of an amazing person who had so much to give, but also I oh, was scared, you know. I've got two kids that I desperately want to be around to see them grow up, and I was scared that something bad might happen on the road on the way back. So that was a really tough day. I'm tired. I haven't slept really more than a couple of hours that night in a fairly, you know, dodgy kind of local hotel. I'm trying to finish a race that, you know, it's been tough enough as it was. And then to get that news and to have to go and ride on open roads after that, well, I think that was... That was for sure the low light of my race and one that had me really sort of searching my soul about whether I would do these kinds of races again and, and partly my decision to focus primarily on gravel races in the future is 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 because yeah, I simply won't take those kind of risks of riding on open roads if I can avoid it and uh, that's definitely my low light. And uh, I finished the race for Lama, but it was also the low light of my race. Advice for women considering race around Rwanda 2024. I think be prepared to feel pretty uncomfortable at times with being in the middle of nowhere and and possibly quite isolated in some of the very isolated parts. In the other parts, which are heavy populated, work out a strategy for where you're going to use the uh, bathroom because roadside wheeze are almost impossible unless you want to wee being surrounded by 50 children, um, which by the way, they weren't too shocked about um, when it did happen. Uh, I think it wouldn't be a bad decision to consider doing the race as a pair, mostly because in some of the really isolated parts, my only real worry was that if something were to happen, if I would have a fall, um, it would take a long time to uh, to get help and uh, some of those areas didn't have mobile phone reception so I did wonder a little bit about you know how I would flag down someone and and get help so a pair wouldn't be a bad idea um, I, I think if you're going to race it alone um, really know your mechanical stuff you've got to be self-sufficient out there it's the thing that I wasn't good enough with and I got lucky, but it could have been very different. I could have had lots of mechanicals that I couldn't fix. I think be prepared on the right bike. If I 
go back and it's not out of the question. I'd be going back on 42 mil tires and I'd probably replace my front forks on my gravel bike with a with a lockable suspension fork with, you know, 100, 120 mils of travel. Um, I would definitely have a tail fin rack on the back instead of a, a saddle bag attached to the seat post because every time I went down the gravel, I had to stop and refasten my saddle bag. Uh, I mean, I think be prepared, know your mechanical stuff, be on the right bike, be on the right tyres, and if you want to feel safer, consider riding as a pair. Um, otherwise, be prepared to feel pretty uncomfortable in some of the spots of the race that you're really isolated. Rwanda is an amazing place. Ever since I got back, I've been telling everyone that they must visit. They must visit this exceptional country that's managed to not only acknowledge its horrendous past, but move forward in a way that I think I, no other country has been capable or able to do. The people are remarkable. I think they are a, a people that I feel like I can be friends with um, very easily. And, uh, you, you know, the, the country itself is absolutely beautiful, like a mixture of tropical Queensland, Scotland in the highlands. It's got it all. It's got lakes, it's got mountains, it's got gravel, it's got just amazing, amazing scenery. I think that this is a race that I would absolutely recommend with the exception of some of the concerns I have about whether the route was adequately pre-ridden by the by the race organisers. Um, I, I don't know if, whether or not they did ride it, but I think there were some sections that perhaps hadn't been considered in all weather and, and light conditions, which did they put my life at risk? Probably not, but did they make me feel pretty damn uncomfortable? I would say yes. There's some pretty frank videos that I recorded in the middle of the night on a couple of occasions that... Uh, I think really speak to my uh, speak to my feelings on on some of the sort of roads and paths that uh, I'm not sure why we why we had to ride those parts uh, on a gravel race. Um, I don't really think you need to be riding single track mountain bike trails on a gravel race, but that's just my opinion. And, and I think that would be my overwhelming thing to add. Really, is that this is a beautiful country. We want as many people as possible to kind of experience Rwanda by bike, like in this race. So, I think, I think the message to the race organisers would be, you know, don't go with this current trend that happens in ultra races of trying to make it so hard and so ridiculous that you know, for, for, and I don't consider myself average. I think anyone who finishes a race like this is, you know, in in the top percent of the people um, of the population but don't make it just for the elite riders everyone needs to be able to feel like they can safely finish so it's a difficult topic really to kind of express that I loved 80% of this race and 80% of it I would do again in a heartbeat even with the, the tragic final day that I had with my friend being killed uh, I would still do it in a heartbeat but that other 20% 
I just don't know why it was necessary and, and I would reconsider, you know, whether those parts, maybe I'd feel very differently if I wrote it in the day, in the, you know, fine weather, sunny daylight, I maybe felt very different about those sections, but, you know, we didn't and I, I rode them in the in the night in wet weather and I think they just didn't feel like they'd been adequately risk assessed. So, yeah, I think... I feel a real kinship to Rwanda and really feel the need to take my family back there to, to you know, see more of the country. And I'm desperate to go back on a gravel bike and, and ride some more of it at a more leisurely pace with my kids, probably. Um, that's how much I loved, you know, 80% of that route and 80% of the, the country. So I would thoroughly recommend people to consider the race, but I would also thoroughly recommend the route planners to just take a think about, you know, what, what people are expecting when they're riding a gravel race. Um, and I know it's Africa. I totally get it. Um, but I've ridden smoother gravel in Qatar out in the middle of the desert, um, which is pretty rocky than I did there in many instances. My first memory of Harry Milburn of the UK was her warmly greeting me at checkpoint one after about 176 kilometers, helping me set my bike down once I got there. I saw her again at checkpoint two, and that was it until after the race. Unlike Harry, I had a very peaceful sleep at checkpoint two, but similarly, we both love the adventure and camaraderie of the race. So I knew going into this that I'm not someone that wants to ride through the night or push for a podium or ride it as fast as I can. This for me, you know, I've taken time off work. I'm, I'm dedicating this time to exploring and being outdoors and immersing in changes of cultures. I want to then experience that and see it. I don't want to just think, I've got to be as fast as I can. I you know, can't stop, can't break, can't sleep. It's just not how I want to approach these things. And it forms a definite basis as, as what my why is, is to entering, you know, it's a great form of travel. We literally rode all the way around Rwanda. We've seen pretty much the whole country to an extent. And what a way to travel. Like afterwards, we went on a safari and admittedly I was exhausted, but I just fell asleep when we're on safari looking at these incredible animals because I, at the end of the day, I'm just sat there in a car. But being able to physically have that challenge as well as travel and a sightsee, it's just incredible. So a definite highlight of Race Around the Rwanda was the afternoon. Um, just before checkpoint four, was riding with a couple of other female riders. And I just think it's such a highlight of entering these things is sort of how you get to know people so quickly. Like you're both doing this sort of really extreme experience um, and you're just there riding in the wilderness effectively. I think we just spent the whole morning um, Going through the rainforest, there was that 100k road section that we were all being quite cautious through because there'd been quite a bad crash the day before, which we'd all heard about. And then that afternoon, sort of all, a couple of us um, kept passing each other. I think I was riding with Cleo most of the day as well. Um, and just to sort of have that morale and 
that company, it was like the last checkpoint um, before the finish. Um, so you're kind of quite far in at that point. And it's definitely why I enter these sorts of events. It just, it's pretty unique to be able to share these quite extreme experiences and, and how you get to know people just by riding next to each other. The worst point in the race was definitely the hotel at Checkpoint 2. I managed to get a room that was just above the kitchen. And for whatever reason, people, it was kitchen staff, were sort of shouting and arguing. And it sounded like they were like hammering things all night long. And I was getting very, very stressed about the situation. Like, you know, when you can't sleep, and then you start counting down the hours. Oh, if I can get to sleep now, I'm going to have this many hours until I wake up. And I think we'd planned to wake up at 2.45 or something in it. Or 3.45, I'm not sure. It varied each day, but it was about that. And um, it was like 1.30 and I was still awake. And I, it was the point where I was literally just crying with stress of like, I've just ridden all day. I rode all, you know, you ride 12 hours. I think we had saddle time on average. And then not being able to sleep when we're deliberately programmed in to be able to have at least seven hours sleep. It was so frustrating. You're kind of like, well, do I just get up and just ride? But I knew that wasn't going to be wise either. But luckily, it didn't affect me too much the next day, other than I was definitely a bit cranky. But I managed to crack on. But just that frustrating when I didn't want to ride all through the night. And then there's sort of external factors that are meaning you can't sleep. You're like, come on. But yeah, it was, I got very stressed and I really let that affect me in that moment. So I think it's just trying to remain calm in those situations. In general, I didn't have any issues at all about being female and entering the race. Um, I did, however, enter as a pair. Um, after sort of research and speaking to a few people, I kind of got advised not to do it as a woman and then just sort of discounted it, the whole thing. And then someone messaged me um, in November time. I was like, do you want to ride as a pair? Um, and I was like, yeah, why not? And the sort of, I just felt much more confident knowing that there'll always be someone there. In hindsight, I actually think I could have definitely just done it on my own. I didn't feel unsafe at any point. But I did make the conscious decision to ride during the day. Uh, from what I've heard speaking to people that rode this year, any sort of feelings of being unsafe were due to riding at night. Uh, I woke up kind of, or we left between three and four in the morning, so we had about two hours of darkness each day. But I would much rather that than to be riding between the hours of like 10 p.m. and 2am I just feel like anywhere in the world that you are riding in those hours when there are people drinking or you know it just feels much more unsafe definitely this trip was like way more than just paddling like the interactions that I've had with locals and the culture it's just something so different that you get in your day-to-day -day of cycling or just even living you know the smiles that you get on their faces the way they run and they greet you, I mean, not always positive in the sense of small kids just trying to ask for money, but you know, the, the feelings and the emotions you get from that are unreal. 
and it, and it really has been a privilege. Like I think it does make you feel that we are fortunate, but also fortunate to be able to experience these things as well. Um, and it is definitely given a different perspective like coming back home. This episode is supported by Deep Dive Dubai. We know that our listeners love awesome adventures. And take it from us, it doesn't get more awe-inspiring than the world's deepest pool. Measuring a record-breaking 60 meters, Deep Dive Dubai gives both scuba and freedivers the ability to discover an underwater world complete with the latest in dive technology and an abandoned sunken city. For those new to diving, like me, it's the ideal place to get started. And for those experienced to expert divers out there, it's the perfect place to hone your skills with exceptional facilities, expert staff, and state-of-the-art technology. Since it opened in 2021, it has mesmerized visitors and continues to deliver extraordinary experiences seven days a week. For more information and to book your experience, visit deepdivedubai.com. Last, but certainly not least, is Isabel Raffel of Germany. Unfortunately, like a few people signed up for the race, Isabel fell ill ahead of the race, which caused her to miss the start. Not one to let that stop her, she decided to ride the second half of the route when she was feeling well enough. This is where Julie and I spotted her on day four. Isabel is a great gravel cyclist, and I was in awe of her, floating up a very technical section, and also a little jealous that she looks so clean compared to us. As you'll hear, Isabel is most competitive with herself and how her delayed start in this adventure allowed her to enjoy Rwanda. Hi, um, my name is Isabel Riffel and I'm 13 years old and I'm from Germany. So on the first question, my why to the race around Rwanda or why I decided to do the race, I do not think the answer is the race. Um, I always really enjoyed bikepacking and I am a competitive person, especially with myself. Um, so I do like pushing myself and I like a good challenge. Um, and definitely that part drew me to the race around Rwanda as well, but it's been much more about exploring a different country, um, actually a continent that I've never been to before. Um, yeah, seeing the scenery, meeting people, just really experiencing something that's drawing me outside my comfort zone, which it definitely has. I do like the challenge. I don't necessarily need a race. If there would have been a journey option this year, I might actually have gone for that. But um, yeah, I never saw the race as um, yeah a way of having to compete with others or having to try and aim to become the first one. It's always been a challenge where I do set my, my own goal. So it's not been about the goal, uh, about the race as a goal, but about the challenge and about the adventure and exploring, um, yeah, this beautiful country. So maybe I don't start off with my highlights, but with my lowlights of the race, because my lowlight was actually not being able to start the race. I arrived in Rwanda being horribly sick, went to the doctors the first day and then was on antibiotics until the day before the start. And even though I tried to tell myself that I would be all right, I had to accept the fact that I just was not. And I think it was a very wise decision in the end to decide that I had to throw out and uh, yeah, to wave everybody goodbye on the start line, wish them well and then rest up because I had decided to well, just rest up instead of trying to still go for the race and then probably having to turn around and go back to bed after a day or two. 
I decided to heal up and then set out on the bikepacking trip. Um, for the last three days or the second half of the course, um, joining the route on checkpoint three after taking a bath through the country. So um, I guess that was my low light and the highlight at the same time because not being able to start was a huge bummer and I had trained for this for a long time and I was ready to go and really excited. But also not being able to start officially and just resting up took away so much pressure. And in the end, I had the most amazing time just bikepacking the second part of the route and just enjoying the time out there with people. Um, just really, yeah, the solidarity of the other riders and um, yeah, all the encounters along the way, uh, the great views, the nice food, the climbs, the many, many climbs. So I guess it was my low light and my highlight at the same time. Now, coming on to the highlights, I maybe have a really weird one too. So other people would consider my highlight probably the worst low light. Um, my highlight of the ride was a crash on my third day. So the last day of riding for me. And um, yeah, I was uh, a few hours into the day, had set off at 4am in the dark. And um, on kilometer 60, I think it was 8.30am, I was feeling really good. Most of the gravel of the day was gone, just came up a huge climb and there was a little village. I got a Coke, sat down and texted my boyfriend that I'm just flying and I'll be at the finish line around the early afternoon and having a great day. And in my mind, I already thought about the recovery days and how I spent them in the Kigali and was really looking forward to see the other riders. When I got back on my bike and came down a really, really steep gravel descent, and just being somewhere in my head already in the finish line, I just did not see a huge water run going through the road. And yeah, I just had no time to break and then came off the bike over the handlebars, had a nasty, nasty crash. Luckily, somehow, the bike was all right and I was kind of right too. Um, the jersey was torn. Um, the bike had a flat tire, of course. My Vahu didn't make it, but that was all right. But the moment I was on the ground, there were like a million, or not a million, but you can imagine, you've been there, loads of local people running, just uh, gathering my stuff. And they were being the sweetest and most helpful people. And um, yeah, it was a very, very sweet encounter on the road because um, there was a lot of kindness. People were helping out, trying to fix the bike, being really, really nice. And um, yeah, I could see... <laughs> Their faces when I used the alcohol wipe, trying to get the dirt out of my wounds. And um, uh, I could uh, feel them suffer through that with me, <laughs> kind of. Um, so, yeah, that was a very sweet encounter and probably somehow a highlight along the ride for me. What advice could I give to other women considering signing up to the Race Around Runner? Uh, probably just do it. Don't don't be scared. Um, there was no point in the race I ever did not feel safe. Um, there's a very, very great setup with the race organizers who take really good care about the riders. Um, yeah, there is always people around. You're never really alone and people are very helpful and kind. Um, the round is just stunning and it's a race, but you don't have to race it if you don't want to. It can also just be your own challenge and a great experience. So yeah, I would encourage anybody to go and sign up 
it's been an amazing experience and something I would definitely do again if I had the chance to. So there you have it. Thank you for listening. And thank you again to all the women who took the time out to share their thoughts for this two-part series. I hope that I'll see you all again on the start line somewhere in the world very soon. If you haven't checked out part one of the series, episode 24, please do. Also, all of the women's Instagram handles, as well as some information about the race are available in the show notes. Please don't forget to subscribe and rate the metal set and share this podcast. It really does help in our work. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, we ask that you please share it with family, teammates, friends, and even frenemies, or share via social media. Please also leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Five stars only. And visit us on themetalset.com for more stories and resources. Thanks again for listening. Your support means the world to us. This is The Metal Set.